HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Sunday afternoon, and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and our genius producer and engineers, uh, Jack Inslee and Nat Wiener, are responsible for that cheesy but awesome intro music. I have to say I really loved it. By Mariah Carey. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, our sponsor today on Cutting the Curd is Edwards Ham. And the number for call-ins, should anyone have any burning questions about cheese, is 718-497-2128. So today's show is totally random in a way and all about mongers, cheesemongers in particular, Um, and, and random in that my original guest was unable to make it at the last minute, but I walked into Roberta's and found not one, not two, but three qualified cheesemongers in addition to (laughs) my friend Katrina who said that she was going to initially be out here. So I'm going to start off by saying, you know, what is a monger? I I got this question a lot when I was trying to, when I was in the process of opening the store and people were like, are you sure you want to call your store cheesemongers? Like that kind of sounds gross or weird or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I like it. I like, I like it too. It makes me think of Shrek a little bit somehow, Shrek. some sort of like ogress yeah. beast. Kind of ogress, maybe like a couple like boils here or there, but like nothing like, you know, that you can't handle. <laughs> <laughs> they have treatments for things like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so the traditional de- or dictionary definition for a monger is a seller or a dealer. And uh, while there are mostly kind of negative connotations with mongers, you know, we have war mongers and, and fear mongers, um, you know, fishmonger and cheesemonger, we got like the positive side of the spectrum. And, you know, I totally, I totally love the word. 
Um, and we do like to think of ourselves as dealers a little bit. You know, it's like the first taste of cheese. It's like it's free. And then you're hooked. <laughs> we get you. We're pushers. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> So today on uh, on our show, I am joined by Aisha Girdle. Hello. Hello. Who is um, cheesemonger for Formaggio Essex, which is uh, located in the Essex Street Market right near Saxelby Cheese. And Brooke Little, who is her, what are, are you her, like the skipper to her captain? Yes, I'm a left-hand lady. I'm a yes lady to Aisha. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, and then we also have Katrina Vahedi, who is joining us. Hello. Hello. From um, She's on sabbatical from California. She works at the pasta shop in Berkeley, um, and they also have a location in Oakland. And then finally by Aaron Tevlin, who is a current cheesemonger at Formaggio uh, Kitchen in Cambridge. Hello. Um, <laughs> so thank you guys all for coming out and, and being on the radio. This is awesome. Yeah, it's great. Thanks, Ann. <laughs> um, so maybe can we just like go round table for a second? How did you all come to be mongers? It's like kind of, you know, a ridiculous job description to end up with. Uh, I, I kind of, my, my family, this is my family's business. So it's sort of, I, I was born into it in a certain way. Um, so it was something that inevitably was put into my life. And I, I feel really lucky in a lot of ways that it was something that I, learned through my upbringing and was really just uh, constantly shown throughout uh, my whole entire uh, upbringing and uh, I was always shown new things throughout just the things that my family brought into their stores and um, it's really when we talk about cheesemongering I immediately think about community. and it's a figure, and I know we'll probably probably talk about this a little bit more as we discuss this, but that's initially what uh, I think about. And Formaggio Kitchen is like such an institution. I mean, how old how old is the original store now? Thirty one years. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Your parents, Isan and uh, Valerie, were just like such pioneers and really like you know kind of promoting this awesome stuff. Cheese, kind of principally you know, but so many other things before anybody really even knew what was up. So that's awesome. Did you, did you always like think that you would end up in the family business or? You know, I, I, I'm, I think I always knew that it would have a role in my life and I, you know, I don't know if this will be always what I do, but I know it will always be something that I will play a role in and will always play a role in whatever I do. Um, It will always be something that I will, definitely be a part of sure so, yeah um, like you said it kind of like shaped and vice your childhood versa. absolutely yeah. and it's played a huge role in my life uh so awesome yeah and how about you brooke where how'd you fall into the cheese pot well i really kind of stumbled into it um i was actually going to school in california studying architecture at california college of the arts and crafts and i got a summer job i got a part-time job as a cheesemonger at the pasta shop where katrina and i met actually whoa <laughs> we go way back the world is so small i it love is, it it is and especially for ladies being cheesemongers i, I love it yeah. that this is a room full yeah. of lady mongers ladies in here yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty nice um so yeah i kind of did that part-time and 
graduated and uh, realized very quickly that there was more work in cheese than there was in architecture. Awesome. (laughs) Although you are manufacturing architectural creations to age cheeses in at the store. Yes, I have cheese aging apartments in the refrigerator. (laughs) Being in Manhattan, we have to be very careful with our space. So, um, yeah, I've been uh, dinking around with a little affinage. Uh, It's fun. It's interesting. I see a lot of parallels in design and process and how things come to be, which I think, for me at least, is kind of what gets the gears going, is uh, looking at what people are doing, how they're doing it, looking at packaging especially. And Mm. for us, uh, in the market dealing especially with uh, international cheeses, there's a lot of interest and a lot of time spent uh, looking at how to preserve these items best possible. So for me, that's kind of, you know, where I get the design stuff from, which is fun. That's super fascinating. And something that I have to say on my end of things, you know, working with just American cheesemakers, you know, people don't get quite as much. It's like, hey, is there like a cardboard box around? Like, hey, I'm going to throw a bunch of cheese in it with like, you know, one ice pack and right. some newspaper right. and like cross my fingers. Does it you fit know? in my pocket? And I'm like, yeah. dang, yeah. you know? No, it's So it's maybe you great. could like, you know, have a future designing cheese infrastructure yeah, yeah. for American oh, cheesemakers. <laughs> I know, like a pop-up box you can purchase, you know, and take it home, learn about aging cheese. Totally. Yeah, yeah. No, so I don't know. It's fun. I think, uh, like I just said, the community is really interesting to me and I think that uh, you know we're doing a lot to preserve these artisanal methods in like food production and cheese making uh, which need to be protected especially in the United States and bringing cheeses in from abroad totally well how about you Miss Katrina how'd you end up being a a monger also totally by accident I um, (laughs) fell into the pasta shop around the same time that Aisha and Brooke fell in I think and for me I didn't really know anything about cheese coming into it I didn't know very much about specialty foods and it was kind of this period of awakening and learning more about food and cooking my own food I was very young and just starting to do these things on my own and it was like this new dimension of flavor that I could add to not just to a meal but like this new dimension on the plate is like a new spectrum like a new food group and it was just a big part of that whole growth experience for me Um, Mm -hmm. and a really really lucky one Cool. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the pasta shop? What uh, what other things you guys sell when it got started? Well, obviously pasta. Okay. We, uh, <laughs> the store. Really? <laughs> and shops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, um, the, the business as it is now was bought from a couple in 87. And they started out mostly with fresh pasta, sauces, a few house-made items. And now we've got a really, actually, a really large kitchen and... Um, prepared foods as well as fresh pasta, fresh ravioli that are made for us and also sold wholesale at some other markets. Um, specialty cheese, of course, we have 100 plus different kinds of cheese at any given time. Uh-huh. Um, oils, vinegars, preserves, drinks, you name it. If it's really good, we try to get it in a shop. Cool. Yeah, fun place. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> there are no... Do you sell wolf meat? It got really wild in here all of a sudden. <laughs> every, every now and then we have wolf. Yeah. Wolf ravioli. Only during yeah, Christmas. Keep, keep an ear out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Only when the moon comes out. <laughs> in the hills of California. Yeah. You gotta watch out. Yeah. I guess if they eat, like possum and raccoon in the south, why not? You know? Why not? It's, it's the new new. It's coyote yeah. in California. It's yeah. coyote, not wolf. Yeah. So. Oh, sorry. It's coyote. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what about you, Erin? How did you get to be a monger? <laughs> Um, well, ever since I started working, I've been totally involved in food. And um, when I was, I think, 21, Isan called me and asked me to come to work for Fromage Kitchen. 
and I saw it as a great up learning opportunity for myself. So I've always loved food. And what was your first job? Uh, dishwashing. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Mine was mine was ice cream. You know, I uh, soft serve. I, I oh, also well done. I yeah. was an ice cream <laughs> scooper, an ice cream monger. Okay, really, really? nice. I didn't know they had those. Nice. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, um, I've been working at Fromage Kitchen for five years now. So wow. it's been it's been a real learning experience for me. That's amazing. I mean, it's uh, it's 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 amazing in a small business like that. Like Aisha was saying, it is kind of all about community and what you can learn, not just about the food you're selling, but about the people you know that make the food, the people that come in and shop there, and um, and the people you work with. So, yeah, Formaggio Kitchen is a great, great like educational center. Brooke and I were talking about that last night. It's it's a place where you come to learn, you know the business about cheese everything yeah and then I feel like Formaggio has like launched so many people into like different careers like I think about Matt Rubiner who owns Rubiner's Cheesemongers mm-hmm. in Great Barrington he worked at Formaggio mm-hmm. Michael Lee who now owns Twig Farm up in Cornwall yeah. Vermont he worked at Formaggio so that's pretty awesome that's like to be able to have a business that really fosters that um you know kind of learning and that allows people to go off and do their own thing. It's like just furthering the appreciation of this, of all this cheese. Yeah, it's a great education. And I think because they focus so much on artisanal cheeses and small production cheeses and then products that accompany, uh, you get to learn the basics of those products. Yeah. And once you kind of get that foundation, you, it's easier for you to understand how other things are made and why they're made the way they are. And, you know, it's all about storytelling. And, yeah, I'm sure cheesemongers love to uh, spin spin tales. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah, it is so much about storytelling. And um, well, so speaking of storytelling, I actually my original idea for this um, episode was I mean I know that I've had some ridiculous and hilarious situations selling cheese to people <laughs> over the year, <laughs> and I wanted to do a kind of like best of like the ridiculous stories. Because I feel like every person who works in retail or customer service has inevitably <laughs> just come across some weird shit. <laughs> yeah. Just um, the least. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just thinking, you know, maybe we could like go around and talk about like, I don't know, funniest, funniest customers, um, most people's awkward. most awkward <laughs> customers, people's habits that you notice that come up again and again. I mean, you become a bit of an anthropologist yeah. as, a, as a cheesemonger because you can start to anticipate and read people. Um, so I guess... I don't know. I'll just I'll just start off with a random story and then you guys can totally take it wherever you want. But um, back when I was working at Murray's in the in the West Village, there were a couple of call in customers that were like completely, completely high maintenance. And like I became the designated monger to deal with these people when they would call on the phone. And one woman um, lived out in the middle of nowhere in Kansas or something like that. And um, every time she called, she would kind of state her case. I think she was like a veteran of some sort and, you know, was um, just kind of, you know, I don't think she communicated with the outside world that much outside of calling Murray's. But she would have us send her the most ridiculous stuff. We would send her cheese. We would send her bread. 
which we would like wrap up to the best of our ability, like in wonky saran wrap and send out to Kansas. And one time she actually called and asked for us to send her a pizza from John's (laughs) pizza, (laughs) which was down the street on Bleecker street. And I was just like, I have to draw the line. I was like, we cannot send you that pizza. If we don't sell it. <laughs> I probably, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I would have given it a go. <laughs> Get some dry ice. I don't Get, know. You're so much more enterprising than me. I was just like, <laughs> no way. <laughs> and then there was this other guy named, um, well, uh, no, I shouldn't say his name. Uh, but I remember it. So, you know, it's, John, this is like, John. Yeah, yeah, his name was John Doe. And um, even John. though this was like five years ago, it's it's hysterical that it sticks in my mind. But... He would call the store, and um, it actually turns out that um, that he was housebound. I found this out later because I saw his name in a New York Times article wow. about people who who like live in their in their apartments kind of permanently and have helpers that like you know go out and kind of do their errands and stuff. Wait, was he like a shut in, or did he have like mm-hmm. medical issues? I think he had him? medical okay. issues. Yeah, it's like a Howard Hughes kind of thing. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, but he would call and he was a poet. And so he would like talk to me about what cheeses he wanted um, his guy to pick up. And then he would always read me a poem on the phone. <laughs> oh, romantic. Would he give you his order in verse? <laughs> yeah. He didn't give me his order in verse. I usually. am the contemporary. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Maybe, maybe he's like worked on that, you know, in subsequent years. Um, <laughs> but I just thought those, those two for me were kind of, you know, unforgettable. And uh, so I wonder if you guys have any like or anything that you notice working behind the counter that people do that you're just like, I can't believe people do that. (laughs) One thing that drives us, I'm sorry, one thing that drives us bananas at at the store are sample sample people that just come in. (laughs) Yeah, the eaters. We, Formaggio Kitchen Incorporated, meaning all three of our stores have always been, we always love to sample things just to, you know, just so you can come in and sort of sample our products and um, sort of freely come in. But Formaggio Essex has a couple, <laughs> a couple <laughs> devoted fans. I have a feeling I should sample be very kind that here. Just come, come <laughs> devoted sample. We know who they are. We know who you are we know if you're we, listening. You're on a list, <laughs> yeah, by the way. There are but we're, we love you still. Yeah. Um, and we all, we, we'll always have those samples out there for you um, that come out. And we'll we'll always just come in to grab the samples. And, um, um, and are we talking like one or two? Or are we talking like oh, well, the no, whole no, plate? Not, it's not a try. It's not a try. No. But the, you know they don't want to talk to us. We even wanted we want to talk to you, yeah. but they don't want to. We're like, can we help you? Can we talk to you? They're like, no, no, no. They come in. They, they grab eat. the samples and they leave. And I know Formaggio Kitchen suffers from this too. And, uh, oh yeah, they it, pour the samples right into their hands. I've had, okay. I've had, I've heard stories from Formaggio Kitchen where a, sometimes Formaggio Kitchen will put out whole robiolas, which are almost like three quarters of a pound, beautiful, uh, soft, ripened cheeses. Um, I've, they've had customers walk out with whole pieces um, and my no. brothers had to chase people down yeah, into the sidewalk, a, into the street. We had a guy that would cut pieces like chunks of cheese and put them into coffee cups and, oh. and walk out oh. i mean these That's these horrible. people take it to a whole nother yeah. level so more recently i think this woman has actually even come into come to the saxelby's counter and I, I know benoit and i've had kind of laughing matches about this woman and i had to chase her into the sidewalk and tell her never to come back uh she came in with two uh layers of gloves on 
Um, the and first layer was uh, Brooke can help me tell this story. Oh, we we have to talk about her hair. We have. This lady was out of control. the nitty gritty. Okay, so she's a tiny woman. She's like four and a half feet tall, and everything she wears is far too big for her. This is the kind of person, right? Okay. Nothing fits for this woman, and she has this purple thinning hair, which from a distance looks like a wig, and it's poofed out a good like seven or eight inches forward and then comb back like a Donald Trump situation okay. but bigger and okay. purple out of control like Ronald Very. McDonald <laughs> yes. teased yes. teased okay. right like she hasn't almost washed with it as in much makeup. maybe two years yeah <laughs> Yikes. yeah it's bad <laughs> She looks homeless a little bit. She might be. I don't know. I'm not judging, but she might be. But she comes in with two <laughs> newspapers from 1975 in the bag. Yeah. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Good articles. I'm assuming. Yeah. If you can't <laughs> that. I want to know what she's them. reading. I know. So you she know? has she has these gloves. The strangest part. Oh, this is the part that really gets Aisha too. This the two. She has latex gloves on one, the first layer, and then she has gardening gloves on the second layer with the fingers cut she off. She comes to the sample counter, takes them off. The gardening gloves, the not gardening the plastic gloves. <laughs> and she starts, she starts asking me about, do you have raw milk cheeses? I said, well, we have quite a few. And I start, you know, giving her samples saying, this is what we have. No, 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 that's not going to work. How much is that per pound? And, you know, I, I helped her. I turned my back for one minute. That's all it I takes. I had a camembert that was a, a slowly thermalized cheese. So it had been slowly cooked. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, she swiped it off the counter, shoved the whole thing whole in her thing. mouth. I looked up and I saw cheese goop no. coming out of her mouth. And there was a regular customer in our store who looked horrified, oh, yeah. horrified, oh, no. like eyes just going she was so out disturbed. of her out of her face, like looked like she was going to throw up. And the woman was leaving. I said, "Ma'am." Because she had been describing to me how she had health problems, was not able to eat cooked cheese. So that that's cooked. Are you going to be okay? And she goes, uh, "I'm fine." She's like spewing cheese out of her mouth and leaves. And my other customer said to me, "I was like, are you okay?" And she goes, "I just got over this fear of goopy things and that. and sampling and eating and samples." And that just freaked me out. I said, "I'll be right back." I chased the lady out into the sidewalk. I was like you can never come back into my store. She goes, I understand. And kept walking. Oh, she knew what she did was wrong. That she knew she crossed oh the line. Big time. Oh, I felt Dang. so bad for that other customer. It had taken her years to get over that fear of sampling and like gooey cheeses. And in one fell swoop, this woman ruined well, it for her. You know, bar, bar nuts and, uh, and, and cheese samples. Well, listen, <laughs> unfortunately, we have to take a really, really quick break, okay. like 30 seconds. But when we come back, I know everyone else was chopping at the bit with more we, crazy cheese endless, stories. Really. Um, <laughs> the mongers will return.
Welcome back to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and I am joined today by four wonderful, talented, lovely lady cheesemongers, Aisha Girdle, Brooke Little, Katrina Vahedi, and Aaron Tevlin. And we are going to be joined by a man for this segment. A man? Who I think is on the phone right now. Lock up your daughters. Yeah. Yeah. Robert, are you with us? I am. Hey. Hey, ladies. How are you? Hi, hey, Robert. Robert. <laughs> um, so, Robert, um, this is really fun. I feel like this is this is like the formaggio, you know, this is the formaggio-centric hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is, yeah. It's awesome. And so we were just kind of all telling our, our most ridiculous mongering stories because we said, you know, as cheesemongers, we're kind of storytellers. We're kind of anthropologists, like, t- you know, dealing with all these people who come in that have different experiences and different likes and dislikes. And so do you want to weigh in? Do you have any... Uh, weigh in, you, that was pretty good. Oh, oh, thanks. I didn't even mean <laughs> well that. Well done, Anne. Thank you. Good job. Uh, yeah, um, I definitely do. And, and for the most part, I think we can come up with some of the, the wacky, you know, customer stories like I should just explain, which there are numerous of them, and I, I, we could go on and on for hours about them. But some of the most hilarious things have to do with the fun that customers bring to the environment, because at times I feel like behind the counter you get pretty serious about your cheeses and you tend to be very protective of them and you try to expose them in the best possible light and try to tell everybody where they're from. But once in a while you'll get just a random witty customer or two who just make you smile and make you remember, you know what, this is food and we're supposed to have fun with it too. Um, Two instances, one of which happens to be with working the counter at Formaggio Kitchen in Cambridge, and it's a very busy Saturday, and all of a sudden, out of, you know, we, we're all helping customers, you just hear a voice say, do you have any Pont Levesque? And I turn around, and we all turn around, and you can't see the person who said it, because our cheese wall is about six feet, seven feet tall. So you peek around the corner, and there's a child about eight or nine years old, a, a boy, who just yells from behind the counter, do you have any Pont Levesque? Like he's been to Normandy and he's, he's experienced it. He's had it with apple cider. And, Only in Cambridge. And you have to look at him and say, you know what? I sure do. And he's like, well, can I please taste it? Uh, of course. I'm thinking the whole time this kid is putting me on. He's just having a good time. But then you give him a taste and he turns to his mother who's around the corner and says, Mother, I would like to buy this Pont Levesque. She says, okay, go ahead and get it. Like, wow, that was amazing. That's like, just random. I didn't know what Pont Levesque was until I was, like, 24. Yeah. I'm so jealous of that like, kid. Wow, this kid yeah, is kid worldly. Knows. Like, that's, that's fun. Um, the other one is just, I think we've all experienced the, the cheesy puns that customers come up with when they walk in the door trying to zing you. Oh, sure. Yeah. My um, friend Mark, who used to work at Murray's, um, used to call himself the Punisher. Because that was like what he would do behind the counter all day, would just like come up with cheese puns. One of the, the best that I ever heard was when I was in Rhode Island, um, a, a professor at um, URI at, um, in Rhode Island walked in the door and, and said to myself and, and my counterpart who was there, just started you know, sending a whole bunch of cheese puns our way, and we we're all starting to laugh. But he said, there's one that I want to give to you, and I think the whole world needs to know about it, and we need to put this on T-shirts and on bumper stickers phrase was, what would cheeses do? Oh, that's really good. All of us were like, oh my God, that is perfect. We do. We all need to like grab that and put that onto a bumper sticker because that's 
the best thing I've ever heard. Or remake like those little rubber bracelets. Get the bracelets and with yeah, like yeah. WWCD. Livestrong, what would Jesus yeah. do? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I could get into that. We could start selling them at the Essex Market, guys. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. We just need someone to make them. Totally. Yeah. All right. It should be fairly easy. They do, oh, they have totally kits. It, yeah. Okay. They have kits? Yeah, they have, they have kits that you can make those those rubber bracelets with. Oh my God! They're for children, but I'm sure you could use them. <laughs> <laughs> it's so is Pont Levesque, apparently. If, yeah. <laughs> and if children can operate them, hopefully, you know, we can, we can also we can. do it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Have a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That is hysterical. Well, what about you, Katrina? Do you have any zingers? Any crazy stories? Oh, one of my favorite phenomenons at the cheese counter is the either the date where one person knows a lot about cheese or thinks they know a lot about cheese and they're oh, trying to impress their date. I'm so knowledge. glad you brought yes. this up. The couples. The couples. The couples. Well tables. And sometimes, sometimes it's not a date. Sometimes it's just like a daughter or a friend who knows a lot about fancy foods and they're trying to impress their friends. And sometimes it has a really positive spin and it's, oh, you have to taste this. This is amazing. This is made by three monks on a mountain. And sometimes it's, um, takes a more negative slant and it's oh this one is crap this is crap this is other crap that one is good and that's an interesting phenomenon for me it, I find it really amusing either way um, what about the couples that come to the counter and like have you guys ever had the experience where there's like the whisper like you give yeah. them a taste of cheese and then they don't tell you like outwardly if they both like it or not but they step <laughs> back and whisper to each other yeah, yeah that always makes me nervous i know yeah. and you're just like on trial you're yeah. standing there you're like oh god did they like it do they yeah. not like it no and and one of the best examples of that too with the couples is when <laughs> they both step back after tasting look at each other and say the exact opposite thing to each other oh that is really good. I was and just it's awkward that. for a few seconds you're like oh <laughs> i'm gonna just get the next cheese to try let's let's taste something else <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. oh i love that moment where one person tries something and they're looking at the other one and the other one tries it and they keep looking back and forth but no one wants to say anything right, yeah. right. they're waiting they're waiting for the other person's reaction i often yeah. gauge like the potential success of a relationship <laughs> off of a cheese purchase because i'm like it's dude if this is this hard like it's just not gonna work it's yeah. not it's yeah. not <laughs> my, my father actually once yeah, stopped dating someone because they did not like goat cheese wow, wow. it wasn't just the goat cheese it was you know, she's a really conservative eater. She ate like, you know, chicken and rice frequently, plain, no salt. And this was just <laughs> a symptom of a beige. bigger, bigger issue that he could not, he couldn't he diagnose couldn't, he couldn't deal moment, with it. But yeah, d- yeah, huh. yeah, absolutely. That was the breaking point. Well, we have two, we have two minutes left. And, um, I don't know, another thing that I was, I was thinking about, and maybe this isn't as fun as the couples thing, but what about cell phones? No I mean, good. cell phones oh, at the it. counter. I will not help you. No, no bueno. No. No, bueno. <laughs> no, people often come. Uh, so at the Essex Street Market, we have a little stall that's kind of separated from the pathways that people walk around on. And people will come into our shop and use it like a phone booth because it's a little quieter <laughs> and it's kind of out of the <laughs> yeah. way, you know. Uh-huh. And just be in there rapping on and on about something. And you're just, yeah. I mean, they don't want to be helped. They're not looking for anything. They're just trying to get away from it all. And it just drives me up the wall. I cannot handle they it. They don't realize that they're standing there facing you talking. Yeah. But that <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's absolutely stunning to me. And yeah, people will do. I mean, I think anyone who works in uh, retail has suffered from this. Where they're on their phone. They're talking to you. They're talking to someone else. And I just have a zero, tol- you know, zero tolerance policy across the board. If you're on your phone, I'll wait. That's fine. But I'm not going to try to interject whatsoever. Yeah. I feel like there's an expectation for you from them for you to be paying attention to them immediately while they're on their cell phone too it's like why aren't you looking at me while i'm talking to somebody else on my cell phone <laughs> I'm like, what? the entitlement yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, which what? 
I, I don't know about you guys, but I get all self-conscious when I'm on my cell phone in public places. I'm like, I don't want anyone to know my no. business. I'm yeah. trying to hide. You right. Know? I know. Yeah. Especially with the things I we talk so about. I don't want anyone to know about these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On a Sunday morning. I don't want anyone Mine to hear it. these conversations. <laughs> yeah. I feel so rude. I know. Totally. The other day at the store, um, this uh, girl came in and she was on her cell phone and apparently she had just come back from a job interview that had not gone well. Oh, mm-hmm. no. And so she was like, whatever. She's like, so-and-so shouldn't have even sent me on the interview if they you know, knew that I had like, whatever, two years of experience and they were looking for six. And the, this other woman standing you know, behind her in line, she finishes up, she pays, she leaves and she's like, She's like, I wouldn't give her that job. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's just like, yeah. you don't, you never know who's listening. Right. I feel like you invite people into your conversation a little bit if you're talking oh, about yeah. that. I will jump in. I'll be like, that's right. He shouldn't have said those things to you. <laughs> you were right to leave. <laughs> Tell him. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> Make this a roundtable discussion. I know, totally. Right? I think we could devote an entire show just to like, yeah, overheard conversations oh, on yeah. cell phones. Oh, that yeah. would be hysterical. Yeah. The cheese counter. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. Oh, thanks, and, and sorry, and Robert too. Thanks, <laughs> Robert. Sorry for being on the show today. And um, I think this was really fun, and we should do it again. Thanks, Anne. yeah, definitely. Thank thanks, Anne. Yeah. Thanks, Robert. Thank you, Miss you, Robert. All right, Bye, Robert. Thank you, guys. And we'll see everybody uh, next week at 2.30 on Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network.